Welcome to Stories Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Weldon. Today's story is called Hunters Hunted, an adaptation of an Irish folktale written for you by Daniel Hines. Today, we'd like to say a special thank you to Juliet, Graham, and Wesley Finney and their family in Keao, Hawaii, Langston W. and his family in Lawrenceville, Georgia, Hazel, Maple, and Theo and their family in San Francisco, Camille and Cora and their family in Melbourne, Florida, and Zozo, Brookie Cookie, and Tay-Tay and their family in College Station, Texas. Thank you so much, Tay-Tay, Brookie Cookie, Zozo, Cora, Camille, Theo, Maple, Hazel, Langston, Wesley, Graham, and Juliet. You are part of what makes it possible for us to continue to produce fun new stories for our listeners. If you would like to support Stories Podcast and get every episode ad-free, Head over to patreon.com slash stories and join for just $1 a month. If you'd like access to all of our ebooks or to receive a thank you in a future episode, that's also available at patreon.com slash stories. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Stories Podcast. If you send us a drawing of your favorite scene or character, we'll share it on our feed. Now here's a word from our sponsors. Thanks. Enjoy the episode. Hunters Hunted Once upon a time, a long time ago, a band of hunters was riding through the forest. They were in a good mood, laughing and joking as they headed back towards their cabin. They had taken a buck earlier in the day and had plenty of meat for dinner, and that was always something to celebrate. Even their horses seemed to be in high spirits. There's a good boy, Dublin, said James, leaning forward to feed his horse a sugar cube out of his palm. A good ride deserves a treat. You spoil that horse, said Tam. You're just jealous that no one feeds you sugar cubes, James replied, and they all laughed. Maybe you could play us a bit of music tonight, James, asked Tim. I don't know if I can stomach another game of cards. I suppose I could tune up the old guitar. James agreed, as long as Tom will cook us that stew of his. Tom smiled and peered into his pouch. I wouldn't mind cooking. Tad, did you find any greens today? All I have is some old coriander. Sure did, said Tam, and I also found some potatoes earlier. They're a little small, but there's plenty. Good, good, said Tom. Seems only fitting that I cook it, seeing as how it was my arrow that brought it down. Oh, I'm sorry, what? said James. It was clearly my arrow that found the mark. You couldn't bring down a buck if you were ten feet away and it invited you to dinner. Oh, if not for me, it would have shaken your arrow out and taken off, and we'd be eating nothing but potatoes for dinner. Oh, yeah? Yes. Tim and Tam shook their heads. They were used to this argument. They kept on, riding and talking until something exploded out of a nearby bush. The men yelled and grabbed their bows, ready for a bear, but then they relaxed again. It was just an old raven, taking to the sky on inky black wings. Wow, look at that! What a beauty! James called. I bet I can take it out of the air! shouted Tom, drawing an arrow and notching it to his bowstring. You're on! James said, getting his own bow ready. The raven turned for a moment, a stark black silhouette against the setting sun. James and Tom both took aim and let their arrows fly. Tom's whistled under the bird, missing it by a feather. 
James proved keener, and his arrow took the bird through the wing, sending it tumbling to the ground. Ha! he said. Who's the better shot now? Fair enough, said Tom. That was a fine shot. Should we go and get the bird? Nah, said Tam. Raven's poor eating, especially compared to our deer. Let's get back to the cabin and have some of that stew. The others agreed, and they urged on their horses to the hunting cabin in the woods. James lingered, rubbing Dublin's mane and looking in the direction of the bird. Finally, after a long moment, he gave his horse another sugar cube and went to catch the others. Behind them, unnoticed, came the fairies. There were four of them, one for each man, and they were dressed in clothes of ivy and moss. These weren't the tiny flitting pixies of England. No, these were the proud old elves of the forest, with fine features, pointed ears, and magic in their very bones. They found the arrow-shot raven, quirking weakly, and took it in their arms. The fairy folk cared for animals, small and large, and to see these hunters injure one just for fun had broken their hearts. Gentle as new parents, one cut the arrow and another pulled it free. The third put a muddy salve onto the wound and the fourth lifted the old raven back into the sky. It cried out gratefully and then took flight, disappearing into the dusky night. They talked together for a moment in the whispered babble of a rocky creek, and then, quiet as moonlight, they headed for the hunter's cabin. Inside the cabin, the hunters were drinking and cooking and laughing and making music. It was a cheery place, made to be comfortable and warm while they were out on a hunting trip and away from their families. Over in the stone fireplace, Tom had set a humongous iron pot to warm up and was preparing ingredients for stew. James sat on a stool and strummed his guitar, playing aimless and pleasant music, while Tim and Tam listened from their metal bunks topped with hay mattresses. Outside, the horses snuffed and whinnied and munched the oats that James put out for them. Not a bad night, said Tim, taking a long draft from his mug. It would be better if we had some singing, too. I'm no singer, said Tam. Afraid I'm just a player, Tim, agreed James, running through some chords. From outside came a raven's cry, loud and sudden enough to make Tam jump. What was that? he said, leaping to his feet. Just an old bird, called Tom by the cookpot. Nothing to get so worked up over. Then a knock on the door. It was light and friendly, like whoever was outside was knocking in the afternoon in a nice neighborhood and not after dark in the middle of the woods. They all looked at each other. Uh, called James, standing now too. Who's there? The door eased open, and outside stood four fine strangers, two men and two women. They were quite different from one another, from tall to short and dark to pale, with hair of honey and ginger and coal. They stood outside, smiling brightly as the heat from the fireplace washed over them. Sorry to bother you, said one. We live nearby and heard your music. We were wondering if we might sing with you all for a bit. The tension broke in the room and the hunters relaxed. They invited the strangers in and gave them chairs to have a seat, and James took up his guitar again. In the lonely country, then, as now, 
It wasn't uncommon to join your neighbors for music. Of course, the hunters should have remembered that there were no neighbors for miles and miles in these lonely hunting woods, but the thought slipped away from them. It was no wonder why. The strangers, the fairies, they weren't the gentle type. No, they were a darker sort, like the wild vampires of the old world. They could use their magic to drain greedy hunters of their energy, leaving them dried and wrinkly and sunken as an old piece of fruit. They had already started on these hunters, and the men were finding their thinking sluggish, like trying to swim upstream. A song would be lovely, James slurred, settling with his guitar. He started to play an old melody, familiar to everyone, and the strangers soon began to sing. It's lonely in the wood tonight The hunters hunted well And every deer and hare and bird Is shaking where they dwell It's lonely in the wood tonight The wind cries through the trees And every ball and howling call Is carried on Their music flowed through the air like smoke on a breeze, swirling around the hunters and filling them and lifting them. Their brains grew fuzzy, their smiles wide and dull, all except for James. You see, one of the few protections humans have against fairy magic is cold, hard iron. Lucky for James, his guitar had iron frets, so the longer he strummed, the more he snapped out of the fairy spell. Sensing the danger he was in, he continued to play along, nodding as though he were in a trance. A look around the room told him his friends were in rough shape. Tim was laughing wildly. Tam was trying to dance and failing. And Tom was slumped over in his chair, head nodding as he fought to stay awake. James spared a thought for Dublin and the horses outside. Had the fairies drained the poor beasts first? He looked over, quick as he dared move. The strangers were smiling widely, nearly glowing with energy. Finally, Tam slumped over and fell against his cot. The mattress was filled with hay, but the frame was solid iron. It bit into his leg and shocked a small measure of sense back into him. Bovin? he said weakly. Energy vampires? Why us? Why? Oh, why, why, why? You ask us why? Tell us, why shoot a raven? One replied, 
her voice moving from sweet to sinister. Just for fun? This is no more than you deserve. I'm sorry, croaked Tam. Tim was wilting like an old flower. Tom looked half asleep in his chair. The fairies laughed and laughed. Oh, poor babies, they said. Don't worry, we won't hurt you too much. You'll just need a few weeks rest, just like that poor raven. James realized he had to act fast, while the fairies still thought he was under their spell. He couldn't afford to sleep for weeks. He had a family at home, waiting for him to bring back food. He had to act. All at once, he stopped playing and then threw his guitar at Tom, knocking his friend back into his own stew pot, which rolled away from the fire. Luckily, it was hot, but not boiling, so Tom was only slightly singed. Still, the pot was iron, and it would keep him safe. The fairies turned and James leapt forward with a roar. They darted out of his way, and he took the moment to throw one of the hay mattresses onto the floor, and then pushed him and Tam onto it. With a second to spare, he flipped the bed frame over them, covering them with its iron slats. Hopefully, it would be enough. Nails cold as ice raked over James's arm. He yelped and stumbled away from the dark fairy's grip, only to find the other three blocking his path. Going somewhere? They jeered. We aren't done with you yet. James cast about wildly. Tom was safe in his stew pot, snoring. Tim and Tam were caged under the bed. James looked for his guitar and moaned in despair when he saw it burning in the cook fire. His precious instrument, barely more than splinters and ash. Nowhere to go, the fairies crooned. James felt himself growing sleepy, felt the energy-stealing magic wash over him. I'm sorry, he said thickly. I'm sorry I shot the bird. It was a terrible thing to do. Liar, they said. You aren't sorry yet, but maybe this will help. One of them drew out a black feather. James recognized it as coming from the raven he'd shot out of the air. With whispered words of magic, they brushed it over his arm. Immediately, James felt his world flip and turn, and then he was flying. He was flapping through the air, the wind rushing by his dark black wings. He soared for a moment, feeling more free than he ever had in his life. This is amazing, he tried to say, but it came out as a raven's raucous caw. A second later, he felt a lance of pain. He turned and saw an arrow speared through his wing. Why, he found himself thinking, what did I do to deserve this? The pain blinded him. His wing was an awkward, broken thing, fighting the air. He spun and hurled towards the earth. It came up to meet him, and he slammed down, crashing, crashing, and opened his eyes. He was on his knees in the cabin. The fairies gathered around him. I'm sorry, he said, tears shining in his eyes. I'll never hurt anything for fun. Never again. Not as long as I live. Well, that's more believable, they cackled. But since you protected your friends, and we're still hungry... We'll still have your strength for dinner. They closed in on him, sapping his energy as they neared. No, please. James felt his vision slip 
And then he saw a piece of his guitar smoldering in the fire. An iron fret glinted silver and orange among the flames and ash. Outside, Dublin whinnied long and loud, splitting the air like thunder. The fairies turned to look, and the horse's cry gave James a moment of courage. With a battle cry of his own, he jammed his hand into the coals and closed it around the burning fret. The glowing metal stung at his skin, but it cut through the magic, bringing him clarity and strength. He threw the hot iron at the fairies, and they screeched, scattering away from it. James ran through the opening they left and made it out the door. Dublin and the other horses reared and whinnied when they saw him. They could smell the fay as easily as you'd smell a skunk. Dublin, good horse, he said. When we get out of here, you can have all the sugar cubes you've ever wanted. James grabbed the reins and tried to swing up on his horse. He slipped and stumbled, growing weak again. Behind him, he could hear the fairies calling. His friends are all in iron. We have to catch him. Don't let him get away. Followed by the sound of pounding hoofbeats. Hoofbeats? Of course, James realized with a shiver. These fey folk have goat hooves for feet. James slid off the side of his horse and hit the ground in the midst of the animals. They whinnied and reared as the fairies drew closer. Gotta get on, James muttered to himself. Gotta get on. He grabbed Dublin's harness and pulled himself up. One hand, another, every inch felt like a mile, a league, an eternity. Gotta go. The harness slipped through his burned hand, and he fell back. The horse stepped over him, as though trying to shield him with his body. Dublin, no. You run, run now. That's a, that's a good horse. The fairy laughter came closer. Goat hoof steps. Clack, clack, clack. Another mighty whinny from Dublin. James reached up and fell back. No energy left to him. The fairies neared and then sleep washed over him like a dark and endless tide. He floated somewhere black and deep, someplace calm and quiet and suddenly wet. James awoke to a long, wet tongue on his nose. He moaned and rolled away from Dublin, who came in for another friendly lick. James! James! It was Tom calling from the cabin door. The bovin took James! He saved us all, said Tim, near tears. Brave fella. Could have run out with that guitar of his, but by St. Patrick himself, he saved us all. So they were all right. James felt a wave of relief roll through him. Everyone was okay. But how was he okay? He hadn't a scrap of iron on him. Here, boys, James called but his voice was whisper-quiet from all the singing and the screaming. I'm all right, over here. They continued looking about, close, but unable to hear him. James let himself fall back into the mud, still groggy. The night was a blur, all but the vision from the feather. He could still remember flying, still remember the carefree breeze, and, more than all the rest, he could still remember the burning sting of the arrow. I'll never again take an animal for fun, James said. As if he understood, Dublin leaned down and gave his owner's face another long lick. 
James laughed and petted his horse's leg, and it was only then that he saw it. Glinting in the sun, sure and steady, Dublin wore iron horseshoes on every hoof. You saved me, he croaked, hugging the horse in close. You saved me. Dublin licked him again, and James laughed madly. His friends found him there some time later, safe and sound, smiling widely, and sharing sugar cubes with the horses. The End Today's story, Hunters Hunted, was an adaptation of an Irish folktale written for you by Daniel Hines and performed for you by me, Amanda Weldon, with an original song by us both. If you would like to support Stories Podcast, you can leave us a five-star review on iTunes, get ad-free episodes and more at patreon.com stories, check out all of our merch available at storiespodcast.com shop, follow us on Instagram at storiespodcast, or simply tell your friends about us. Thanks for listening!